What is the theory of general relativity? What is the LIGO laboratory? What are gravitational waves? And is the discovery of them relevant to your daily life? We'll be covering all of these topics in today's World Synthesis podcast from worldsynthesis.com. I'm your host, John Rives. Today we'll be talking to Professor William Cook at Johnson County Community College to learn about all things general relativity. Let's go to the physics lab now and meet up with Professor Cook. I'm here with William Cook at Johnson County Community College. He is a professor here of physics and astronomy, is that correct? That's correct. Uh, So I'd like to ask you a few questions today about uh, Einstein's theory of general relativity and uh, new discoveries recently released about uh, about that theory. Sounds like fun. So can you explain to me what uh, Einstein's theory of general relativity is? Well, general relativity uh, was uh, a new picture of what gravity was. What it said was basically gravity is the curvature of space-time. And the presence of mass in, uh, in this space-time would actually create like a dent and other objects that came near that mass would uh, feel that curvature and be drawn towards that larger mass and follow a path uh, accordingly. And so it was kind of like a uh, having a bowling ball on a trampoline. You put a bowling ball, heavy bowling ball on a trampoline. It creates a dent in the trampoline if you roll a, a ping pong ball or a golf ball around that. Uh, bowling ball, it feels the curvature, experiences the curvature of the trampoline, and takes a curved path, much like, and and behaves like gravity, which it is. And why is this theory so significant? What does it mean? Well, everything in the the universe, everything that happens, uh, occurs in this stage of space and time, and what general relativity does is give us a deeper understanding of what that stage is really like. Uh, It can actually have a shape, have a geometry to it that is dictated by the presence of mass and energy in it. And then other objects uh, will follow the contours of that space-time. So recently we've seen in the news that they say they found gravitational waves uh, and that they validated Einstein's theory. What, What are these discoveries? Well, we can go back just a little bit. In uh, 1919, one of the first verifications, which I assume that's what you're talking about, is verifications of the theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, Einstein predicted the curvature of light near the sun. This is a process we call gravitational lensing. And uh, the sun curves the space-time around it, and any light passing by the sun will take a curved path because of that curved space-time. And uh, in 1919, this was... Uh, discovered, was actually measured by Sir Arthur Eddington on the west coast of Africa during an eclipse. Uh, Since that time, uh, there's been uh, gravitational lensing measurements have been pretty routine. Uh, We use gravitational uh, lensing to, say, uh, detect uh, exoplanets around stars. 
Uh, we also use it to detect the uh, amount of uh, or the distribution of dark matter in galaxies and galaxy clusters. Uh, another type of verification was uh, what's called the Shapiro time delay. It just says that signals passing near massive bodies or toward or away from massive bodies, uh, there'll be some, some time delay in the signal, uh, which uh, has to be accounted for when you're dealing with the interplanetary travel, sending signals to, to your space probes. Uh, another type of verification was in the last decade, what's called the frame dragging, gravitational frame dragging. Uh, where a rotating body, like the sun, or a planet even, uh, will actually drag the space-time around it, much like if you were standing in a, on a blanket on a slick floor and you were to rotate and drag your feet, the, uh, the blanket would start wrapping around you, and that's what the rotating massive object uh, does to space-time. And this was measured by uh, Gravity Probe B, Going around the Earth pole to pole, it, it actually uh, uh, also verified the uh, general theory of relativity. And then, of course, uh, we have the gravitational waves, which is uh, in all the, 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 the papers. If anybody reads papers anymore online, it's the big news of the day. And uh, actually, the gravitational waves were first indirectly detected by uh, in what's called the Hulse-Taylor binary. Those are two neutron stars orbiting one another. And they were losing orbital energy. They were, they were gaining speed in a way that uh, suggested that they were emitting gravitational waves. The measurements were exactly if they were emitting gravity waves. So even though the gravity waves weren't directly detected, uh, this, this was pretty strong evidence that those gravitational waves are real. Uh, this was 1974, and won those guys a Nobel Prize, I think, in 1993. But then uh, the recent excitement has been that uh, these gravitational waves have been directly detected in uh, the LIGO observatories. There's one in uh, Livingston, Louisiana, and one in Hanford, Washington. And um, there's two of them built so they can detect time delays if a gravitational wave passes from one to the other. They can use that time delay to try to work out where it's coming from, but um, that was direct uh, direct detection, which was kind of feat in itself because gravitational waves are extremely weak. Jupiter orbiting the sun uh, only uh, puts out about 40 watts of power in gravitational waves. Most people have incandescent bulbs in their house that have more output power than that, so just actually measuring this was just a, a phenomenal thing. So what is this new, this new discovery within the past week? What is its significance above and beyond the other discoveries they've made? Well, whenever you have a, a, a verification of something as broad and important as uh, the general theory of relativity, I mean, relativity and quantum physics are our two fundamental, fundamental pillars of modern physics. And any time you can have more experimental support, or add more, uh, you know, observational evidence to those. Uh, it's always good, but uh, yeah, it's just it just uh, shows that we might be on the right track with uh, general relativity, and that these gravitational waves uh, do seem to be real if confirmed. If those gravitational waves are actually confirmed, 
and speaking of that confirmation, I have been uh, reading some articles and listening to some people uh, within the scientific community who undermine the credibility of the discovery. Is this new research reliable? It's reliable. I mean, skepticism is a healthy thing in, in science. I mean, that's you you have some big claim, you better have some big evidence and big, some good data to support your claim. And it's a healthy thing to go in with skepticism and you know, say, wait a minute, let me see that, and, you know, and, and pour over the day. So there's going to be uh, a lot of scrutiny and uh, a lot of uh, uh, people, you know, looking at the data and, and, and double-checking. And, I mean, it was done by two teams, uh, one in uh, Louisiana and one in Washington. So they sort of, uh, there is some independence, uh, independence there as far as the discovery, which always uh, helps in the credibility. But uh, yeah, there's, there's going to be skeptics, and, and, and that's good. That's a, that's a healthy thing in science. Now, if the research is credible and is reliable, shouldn't we be able to observe gravitational waves everywhere? Shouldn't we be able to replicate this over and over? Uh, well, like I said, gravitational waves are weak, and you have to have a really uh, very sensitive detector like the LIGO facilities to detect them. So yeah, in principle, they should be repeatable. Uh, uh, other events, you know, sending gravitational waves should create similar results. Uh, people building uh, these observatories elsewhere in, the, uh, elsewhere in the world ought to be able to, uh, during some events, to be able to detect those events. Um, like merging black holes was the event that uh, caused the recent excitement and uh, sent out a tremendous amount of energy, in which we could barely measure, but we could measure. But yeah, in principle, that should be repeatable, but you're not going to have the same event. You've got to wait for another event to happen and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and see, and wait and see. So now that this uh, observation has been made, they have been able to measure gravitational waves, allegedly. What does this mean for the scientific community? What impact does it have? Well, it means that, uh, I mean, if it's confirmed, um, it means that uh, these things are out there, these gravitational waves are out there, and uh, maybe we could, uh, uh, you know, build other ones, other detectors. If we know they're out there, it makes sense to build and fund uh, more gravitational wave detectors. And, um, of course, it's generated a lot of excitement, you know, anytime you have a totally different way of, of uh, uh verifying a theory like the general theory of relativity. It's always exciting. But, uh, of course, like you mentioned before, there's, you know, people want to take a look and, and you know, scrutinize that, that discovery and, and make sure it is what it, what it seems to be and not something else. Fresh on many minds is uh, just a while back, a year or two back, the, there was an announced discovery of polarization in the what's called the cosmic microwave background, which is the, the first light of the universe emitted uh, shortly after the Big Bang. And they thought they'd found some uh, characteristic polarization and it would suggest uh, a phenomenon we call inflation, which is kind of the whoosh in the Big Bang that expanded everything really fast. And it turned out that was uh, what they had actually seen was the effect of dust, not the polarization of uh, uh, the uh, uh, inflation that they thought. So people are going to be checking this pretty carefully. So there's going to be uh, excitement with caution. And so.
So that was the scientific community. What does this mean specifically for astronomy? It's in the astronomical field. Well, besides verifying relativity, um, it's kind of like having a new sense organ. I, uh, in my classes, I tell my students, it's sort of like you've gone through life with only the sense of sight, maybe the sense of touch, but you didn't have the sense of hearing. So through your sense of sight, uh, which would be analogous to our uh, finding, getting data from our universe by the light that we receive in various wavelength domains from radio to, to gamma rays, but we're, it's all the same kind of phenomenon. And uh, sort of, it's sort of like having sight your whole life. You can get a lot of data, but there's some things you couldn't know about, like uh, we're in a room here. If there's somebody yelling out in the hall, uh, we can't see through the wall, so we wouldn't know about that. But being able to detect gravitational waves is like then suddenly having, say, the sense of hearing. A totally different way to get information about our universe and find out more about what it is and what it does. And, you know, with the sense of hearing, you know, we could additionally, you know, find out that there are people yelling out in the hall that we, we couldn't tell from uh, just sight. So the detection of gravitational waves might help us if we build observatories and routinely uh, can detect this, uh, these waves. Um, we could probe uh, places where light doesn't seem to go or interact with, like dark matter, the distribution of dark matter. Uh, we could maybe even probe back in the universe as early as the Big Bang itself. Uh, as far as the light goes, the universe is opaque. To, I mean, when you look out in space, you're looking at back in time because it takes light time to reach us. So the, the earliest time we can uh, look is, in principle is about 380,000 years after the Big Bang. Uh, before that time, the universe is opaque to light. We can't, we can't get any information using light. But gravitational waves, we could. It would penetrate through that, and we could, uh, we could actually see all the way back for the Big Bang itself. And indeed, some have speculated that the primordial Big Bang gravitational wave might be out there, that relic gravitational wave. But uh, a lot of, there's a lot of speculation whether it even be detectable now. There's a lot of gravitational noise. But uh, in principle, it should be out there. Finally, does this discovery have any impact on me or the average person? Is it going to change my life at all? No. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, I mean... Yes and no. I mean, uh, you know, it's more verification for relativity. And we, we started the conversation with uh, general relativity. And, you know, a lot of people don't know that in some areas of our life, uh, it's not just an academic interest. Uh, it's actually an engineering fact that uh, the, uh, those of us who uh, navigate using global positioning system, the GPS, uh, when you need precise positions, uh, like knowing what street you're on and where in the street you are uh, requires precise timing from global positioning satellites out in space and there has to be uh, relativistic corrections to those otherwise this system is useless to as far as navigating streets within hours and so uh, yeah it has a definite uh, practical impact on your life but uh, maybe in a deeper level it's just uh, we seem to have as humans just some sort of inborn curiosity about our origins and our place in the universe and, and understanding more about the universe and the, 
the space-time stage in which everything happens, uh, maybe gives us a little deeper insight in, into our own uh, our own existence. Who knows? Okay, thank you so much. This is Professor Cook at Johnson County Community College. Thank it's, you, Professor. It's been a pleasure. This has been a World Synthesis podcast from WorldSynthesis.com. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you next time.